You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. I have Kieran Hall. He's the head of strategic partnership development at a company called Rocket, R-O-K-I-D, or Rokid, depending on how you pronounce it. Uh, the website for reverence is glass.rokid.com. And we're going to be talking about uh, their wearable personal AI. So, Kieran, thanks for coming. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing really well. Uh, thanks. Uh, nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. And uh, just to, to quickly jump in on that pronunciation, that's always a stickler. So uh, mm. it's, I think the, uh, the, it originally comes from the, a combination of the two words robot and kid, because we're trying to take mm. sort of future focus to things and we're, we're trying to keep childlike mentality of, of what makes things fun and usable as we're, we're helping to define these products. Um, but the, the pronunciation, it, it's, it's kind of up to you. <laughs> no, that's good, because I wanted to know what, uh, where, where the name came from. So, yeah, that's great. Okay. So what's the uh, what's this wearable personal AI? What is it? Uh, what's the form factor, and what's the the point of doing it? Sure. So um, to, to properly answer that question, I should probably uh, dive back a little bit and explain uh, just a touch about Rokit themselves. So um, Rokit were founded in 2014 in Hangzhou in China, and we actually started out um, with a firm focus on AI, and also uh, so we built smart home assistants for consumers. Um, and what we have done since beginning the, the, the company is we've taken that now a more sort of research focus on how we can focus on other technologies and apply them to our AI learnings to create um, new types of assistive devices. So we have a research office in San Francisco, which is where I'm, I'm calling you from now. And we spend uh, three years at a time basically in, in research and product development of frontier technologies and working out how we can apply those to become the future core pillars of the business. So what we've been working on for the last few years is coupling computer vision technologies with, with our AR learnings to really build this wearable um, glass, which kind of couples those two technologies to work in an in a assistive capacity to try and help people perform a task. Um, so the, okay, the, so the product that we kind of, yeah, go ahead. Please. Yeah, well, well, all right. So what, uh, how does it assist them? What kind of tasks? You know, let's start with one thing or one or two examples. Sure. So, um, I'd say the the device that we're we're building we call it, kind of call it our Gen One. It's called Rocket Bus, and it has a, a focus on enterprise and B two B use. So I think the general use of the technology in enterprise is the the main ROI is in time saved. So it's, if you can help a worker accomplish a task, or if you can just speed up the the speed of information or knowledge transfer even slightly, this has dramatic implications on on how long it that it takes to perform a task. And that means that any time that you can save is just money saved in this kind of kind of use case. If you imagine it could be an offshore oil rig and uh, one of the 
the piece of the hardware goes down, and that means that the whole in, the whole work stops. And if it sh- stops for a day, that's you know tens of millions of dollars. So if, if you can get something back up to speed faster, if you can provide people with the information that they need when they need it, then there's real value there in enterprise. All right, so, so a couple an of example, the, yeah. uh, you know, literally, uh, how would it speed things up? You know, take me through like your sure. favorite application that makes sense to you, and how would it would it function? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the most um, the the easiest uh, sort of observable uh, benefits is is an application called Remote Assistance, which is basically like a conference call that you are able to wear. So what it means is kind of like see what you see. So if you wear a pair of glasses and there's a camera on them, and you're a worker in the field, then you can show someone who's offsite and is a specialist exactly what you're doing and give them full oversight and allow them to give you instructions on what you're doing as well. So that's that's just a sort of general knowledge transfer, one-to-one transfer between specialists in uh, offsite and workers in the field. But the, the sort of benefits are more than just that one connection between those people, because it then means that you can start to think more efficiently about how you're uh, moving your specialists around. So you, you you can save money on sort of transporting them to sites for visits because they can do uh, external extensions uh, expressions by giving people on site these devices. And then allowing them to have a, a sort of virtual walkthrough of the of the, the plant or whatever it is they're, they're due to inspect, and that means they can be more efficient in how they're managing their time. So you can have people in multiple locations and multiple sites that um, are able to connect to the same specialist as and when they need. So there's, there's there's many forms of value from that same kind of assistance. Where does the AI come in in something like that? So you know, I can you can see through my eyes, and you know, maybe I have to do a tour of a certain part of the plan or inspect the pump, but now how does the AI make it better? Right. So uh, so that um, specific application, the the AI application is, is uh, not quite present in how I described it, but there's, there's in terms of how we think about the AI, so we're just thinking about the kind of computer vision and how that camera sees the world. So I think the real benefit of AI in this kind of context means that it, you can have the device, you can have the device start to, kind of preempts the needs that you have before you need them. So let's say you're in a specific about, part of the plan. And what, what about this? Let's say, again, I'm, I'm using it and the expert is guiding me. You know, they can tell me, look over to your left or do that. What if they're able to circle stuff and it appears in my field of vision or type something or, you know, like they can literally type on what I'm seeing. Yeah, so that's, like exact, they can that's direct exactly me how that highlight something. Works. Yeah, so we call that real-time annotation. Um, and that's exactly mm. how the application works. So ra- rather than just a one-way uh, call, it's actually two-way. So the specialist that is off-site can direct your attention and show you things in, in, in a real-time basis. So they can say, hey, this over here looks wrong, or I need to direct your attention to this over here. And they can draw into your field of vision and highlight things in real time. That's definitely how that, how that works. Um, right. What I was getting at with, with the kind of... Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's extremely useful. And that's the, uh, what I was getting at in terms of the AI application and how we kind of focus on those. So let's just think about how the camera is seeing things at the same time as you are, and it can start to anticipate your needs. So let's say you walk into an area of the site. We might know through either your – we can understand your location from a variety of means. But let's say we have your location, so we know roughly what's around you. But then we can look through the, the device camera and see exactly what you're looking at. And then start to preempt and, and load information that you might need just to get it ready or, or even start to bring that information into your field of view as you approach uh, the machinery that you might be working with. And just sort of really trying to streamline the process to try and, I suppose it, on the one hand, it's about removing friction, 
And on the other hand, it's about trying to make things just generally more efficient. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess if you, um, let's say you're doing a, you know, an inspection of a pump and you have a whole bunch of experts do it and you watch the footage of them doing it and they point out, you know, seven things in a typical inspection, then you can encapsulate that so that, you know, the AI could do it and the person wouldn't have to sit there doing it each time because you'd know, okay, they look at this, they do that, they do the, the, and you can encapsulate that so that, again, the expert wouldn't have to be there every single time. Yeah, and I think that's the real benefit is that we're, what we're kind of talking about is being able to have information transfer between workers in the field who might be less skilled and the specialists who have all of the right, the right skills and experience that might be off-site. And then you can just provide them with oversight to try and really upskill the people that are on, uh, on the site itself as and when they need it. And whether or not that's through an AI system that directs their attention mm. to different things that they might need, or whether or not that is by directly connecting with an offsite specialist, there's many ways of going about that if you have this kind of device. All right. So what's an example that's very different, but still within the realm of what uh, your device can do? So I think in terms of this sort of Gen 1 device that we're focused on at the moment, the, the application is only really enterprise and B2B. So um, I'd say outside of remote assistance, we can then start to think of, let's say, guided assembly. So um, let's now imagine that you're a technician that performs a task, and at the moment you have worksheets that are made of paper. And as you're performing the task, you refer back to the worksheets, and it's, there's a lot of checking and cross-checking of work and a lot of time kind of wasted. So a device like the one that we're creating allows you to have that information presented to you in your field of view. So you can actually not only have that information available in, uh, via a heads-up display, but you can actually track the information to an object in real time. So as we were discussing how you can allow a person to direct your attention to something that's actually in your vision, we can sort of pre pre-program uh, information to appear there as well. So to get so to, to walk the technician through a series of steps that they might have to go through on a usual task. And the benefits of that are a number a number of different things. So it means that um, number one, you say you may you have efficiency savings just generally performing that task. But what you can then do is start to think about someone that is already skilled and already trained that they can approach a task that they've never seen before and be able to, to accomplish that with almost the same efficiency as someone that's done that task multiple times. Um, just because of having the information available to them means that they can do their job as efficiently as possible. Mm, okay. Makes sense. Um, so yeah. And I'd say, do you have an example of this or what's, um, you know, what's a specific example or maybe what's the next level? So that's a start or, you know, maybe just flesh out the example a little bit more. Yeah, okay, so I'd say um, the, the, the best example that kind of springs to my mind for this kind of use case is um, actually um, built out by a company called uh, Scope AR, and they built it in partnership with Lockheed Martin. Um, and the whole sort of purpose uh, was in this kind of guided assembly use case. So they have technicians that are working on creating um, kind of aerospace designs, um, and they, they've got these very, very complex um, pieces of machinery that need to be built and uh, very specifically built and they need to have torque applied in very specific places and I'm talking hundreds and hundreds of places to different amounts uh, uh, different amounts each, each area and they were previously doing this with written worksheets and what they would previously do is have one person come along and set the worksheets and get everything ready and then another separate person would come and check this entire system again that's twice the amount of time um, it's that kind of you know measure twice cut one sort of aspect and then, you know, there's a, a huge amount of time that goes into planning and, and prepping these things. And also, it was, it was a bit of disconnect. 
because you've got the information on a page and then you've got the, the actual piece of machinery itself that you're working on. And so what Scope AR did with this platform is that they were able to overlay the information onto this complex piece of machinery um, in a way that has a sort of step-by-step -step foolproof guide. And this sounds crazy, but they were able to increase uh, the efficiency on, on the planning aspect of this, this job by they did a 99% reduction in information overhead. And what that actually meant is that something that used to take six weeks took them two weeks to accomplish, which That's is amazing. just phenomenal. Yeah, it's just amazing. This is absolutely one of the best, the best examples that I've, I've seen. I think the, the actual talk that I'm referencing is from a couple of years ago. It was an AWE talk given by Lockheed Martin, and they were sort of talking through the, the benefits of this platform and, and how, you know, how fundamentally it, it, it sped up and changed their workflows and, and in just this one thing that they were applying it to. This is, we're talking about applying this kind of technology and these kinds of devices to one workflow of, of one thing that that company is doing. Like, so now let's imagine how much they could, they could do it if they start doing the acting component as well and they're actually performing their tasks and not just planning. There's so much more savings to be made. It's a, uh, it's fascinating. Well, specifically, how did it reduce the planning time? Did they tell you that, or is there an example of this in use where you you literally can see what changed in a process to make it faster, or better, or more reliable? Yeah. So, so the the um, I'd, I'd say you can you can literally see it. So it's um, it's just imagine that you're you're wearing the the glass itself. And as you look at the machine that you're, you're building and you're working on, the information that you need is color-coded and highlighted with numbers in a step-by-step -step fashion on the machine itself. Because, you know, if you're looking at this just by itself, it's just a big, giant, circular piece of metal with tiny okay. rivets everywhere that need to be torqued to different amounts. And I'm talking thousands of these rivets. And you need to reference a worksheet, make sure you're in the right place, make sure you're talking to the right amount and then move to the next one. It has to be done in a very specific step-by-step -step basis. Whereas now you can just put on these glasses, the entire machine changes color in different areas. It's like, hey, work here first, turn it to this amount, now move here. And there's, you, you're just eliminating the need to step and look away at the worksheets and look back at the, mm. the machine because the, work, the machine itself becomes the worksheet. Do you think this would be good for people putting together, together stuff from Ikea? <laughs> Yeah, this overlay show you like leg A into part B and twist it and turn it and you know it's silly but it's a lower tech example. Well, no, no, it's it's so it's not silly, right? That this is actually a really good a good example because um the the reason it's not silly is for people to really understand a new a new technology or a new thing, it needs to be given to them in a way that it makes sense in their lives. And you know what? Uh, you, you show me a person that has, has never struggled putting together flat packs furniture, <laughs> and, yep. and I'll be very, very surprised. So I think being able to position this argument, it's like, hey, here's this technology. It can help you assemble furniture easier is, is an argument that makes sense to people. And I, so I, I fully agree with that. It, it could actually work. And I, I, in my kind of previous career, I've worked in, in sort of mobile AR platforms. And I've definitely spoken to companies that are very, very interested in, in doing this, but weren't that right. interested in the idea. The, the use case of doing it via mobile didn't make sense because, you know, you're holding one hand to look to hold the device and aim it at the, you know, the, the furniture that you're assembling, that, that kind of use right, case right, doesn't right. really make sense. So that's, well, what, that's one of the big benefits about wearables is they're hands-free. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. What are some um, more unusual applications? You know, that to me is like, 
it makes sense and it's really obvious. But what's a, a stranger application that uh, you guys have thought of, whether it's in production or not? Uh, so I'd say the 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 way to sort of define it is that you know for enterprises the the, the ROI is in time saves, and then the the opposite kind of use case is that more consumer focused one. And at the moment, the the ROIs for the consumer are about about engagement. It's about being able to have a kind of content led relationship with consumers, and then that's being built out by the brands themselves. So it's in the same way that you might have branded games or something that the consumer tries if they're out in a shopping mall or something. And the whole point is that it's marketing that's been built in a way to be so engaging that you don't really realize that it's marketing. And it's, it's a similar kind of value of what you can do with these devices in a consumer space or in a more sort of 2B2C space. What about so uh, fire be... and police? You know, what if I was a fireman and I used your rocket stuff and it had an overlay of information I needed while I was, you know, working on the fire, you know, the plans for the building. Oh, yeah. It had a thermal Absolutely. gauge where it showed me the temperature, different hot spots on the wall, you know, that kind of thing. Absolutely. I mean, you could you could even uh, build out a system where you could pre um, kind of upload the, the floor plan of the building or, um, to the, the device or to the fireman of the building itself. So you can have real time navigation of where it expects to go. Mm, because I think right. one thing that's going to be quite kind of interesting for a, a firefighter with the, the, the location that he's in might not resemble exactly how it's supposed to. So having information of how this building previously looked could be very, very beneficial. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, at least, I mean, you know, you probably wouldn't want this, but, you know, facial recognition of the person, then they would know all kinds of stuff about them just by using these special glasses. Right. Well, I mean, uh, so that's totally possible. And, you know, that sort of stuff is currently happening on it, pre-installed cameras around the world in various places, whereas the... Now you'd be talking about the idea to have uh, that kind of capability on a, on a movable person as well. So it's, I'd say the best way to define it is it's just it's about uh, shortening the amount of time it takes or speed it, speeding up information transfer when it's needed. So you know yeah. if, if you want to get information to something, you just have it. it it's heads up. You're, it's wearable. You already have that, that screen, that device on your face as a pair of glasses. So you have access to that information as soon as you need it. If you think it just generally, you know, if you're trying to understand, if you wanted to learn something and you're out and about, you, there's, a, there's a sort of disconnect of maybe 15, 20 seconds where you need to get your device out of your pocket, unlock it, type in what you want into Google, wait for that information to come back. And, you know, it's like what we're, what we're saying is, no, if you want information, it's there for you. It's just ready. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So, I mean, there's a million things you guys could do. You have to focus. So what have you chosen are your main focuses and, and why? Yeah, sure. So um, I think the, the best way to think about that is what we're actually going to be doing in this next year, for example. So at the moment, we're really focused on launching our Gen 1 product. And our Gen 1 product is the enterprise device that we're, we're considering. Um, and that's going to be launching at AWE in May and will be in mass production shortly after. And the reason we've started there is because that's where the money is. That's where people are paying for it because that's where they can see value you know the consumer ar is extremely exciting and we're also exploring that as well so as well as our gen one device we're exploring these more kinds of immersive experiences for consumer focused enterprises and we have prototypes of that that we showed up at ces in january um, and we're now working to sort of build out a go-to-market and plan for those devices as well but our focus is firmly on the Gen 1 enterprise B2B focus because that's what people are paying for. So it's, yeah, that's generally our, our, our kind of focus at the moment. I'd say that the, 
for a, a company like us, the, the most important thing is to, to be vertical. So we need to be kind of laser focused on what we want to build. And we need to then target those industries and, and, and those verticals uh, and say, hey, we've got the perfect device for you. So I think the, the kind of the, the sort of misconception about the devices that we build is that people expect that there's a winning device. They think, hey, there's going to be a best device at some point. And that's really not the case or not going to be the case for a long time because the technology is, is very sort of fragmented um, and it, it's not that great yet. It's, so what we have to do is we have to compromise on the technology that we can build to perform a specific task. So there's no one device that's greater than everything, but there's a device that's best at performing this, best, this task better than others. Uh, and so what we focus on is trying to understand what those tasks are that people want the most, and then we work out how we can build a device that's ideally suited to that task that people will want at a price point that makes sense to them. Uh, and at the moment, we're starting in, in enterprise. And as I say, we're, we're investigating now the, the more sort of immersive consumer-focused side of things as well. And we're coming at it with the same mindset. So it's, um, we're, we're basically trying to be very, very focused about what we need and what we don't so that we can remove everything we don't need. So when we came up with our Gen 1 device, we, we spoke, we took an early prototype, we spoke to early partners and worked out how they wanted to use it. And then we went back and we sort of finished the design and the idea of the device by removing things or adding things that would make it better suited to, how it, to its eventual use. And what that meant right. is that, you know, we made it light, we made it lighter, we made the battery last longer. We actually took away one of the, the displays. So we actually, our Gen 1 is a monocular device. It only has one display because, you know, that, it's not that great for immersion, but it provides just as much information. It uses half the power and half the weight. So it makes sense if we're trying to make something that is utility focused. Right. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess uh, that's, that's kind of how, how, we, how we work. So we, we just try to be very laser focused about what we need and what we don't need so that we focus on a few key areas. So our Gen 1 device is extremely lightweight. It lasts for about five to six hours under use. And the cost of the device is, you know, it, it, it's a kind of aggressively priced in the market. We haven't picked the final price yet, but it's going to be somewhere between about $1,000 and $1,200 a unit. Gotcha. Okay. Hmm. Um, so what's the, uh, where, where are you deployed already and what's the rollout plan for like the next year for the device? Yeah. So like I said, we've, um, we've got some early partners um, who are hmm. currently sort of testing pilots and, and beta programs and sort of just seeing the value um, that before they decide to scale out. Because as I said, we haven't hit mass production yet for our device. So we'll, we'll be going, we'll be launching the device as, as an official launch in May. And then from there, we roll out into mass production and we expect a lot of our early partners to then try and scale up some of these ones that's shown the value. Because I think a lot, of what's, a lot of what's going on at the moment, even in enterprise that people are willing to pay for it, is that it's mostly just investigations. People are doing beta programs, they're doing pilots, they're just trying to see what the value is. And not only that, learn about how they can start to implement these kinds of processes and these kinds of new technologies in their existing workflows. Uh, and give Because it's not just about updating a system. I think the one thing that we, we are very, very focused on as a company is we remember that in every single use case for a device like this, there's always a person somewhere in the chain. There's a, there's a human in that link somewhere, and that human is being assisted in accomplishing a task. And number, number one, that person needs to feel comfortable wearing the device generally, but then they also need to feel comfortable socially. So we kind of focus on you know, that, that user experience as much as we do on the, the hardware and software side, uh, because it, it's equally as essential for, for helping this technology to, to take off and move beyond enterprise 
um, but even in enterprise itself. Okay, so you know, again, for the next year, what's the uh, what's what's the plan for rollout? Yeah, so like I said, we'll be we've got our, our launch coming up in in AWE, and then we will be going into mass production shortly after that. Our early partners that that are we've got quite a number of we've got an early partner feeder program basically where where people can sign up and they've had access to the device for the past year or so, mm-hmm. and we're expecting that a lot of those partners will be kind of. You know, trying to focus on the higher volumes and see because now they've seen a little value, then see if there's how it kind of scales and and how we can keep continuing to to grow uh, the solution within their businesses. And on top of that, we're start now looking at our our second more sort of consumer focused device that I mentioned, and we'll be doing exactly the same thing with that as we did with our Gem One device, which is to take it to our early partners and content creators, see how they want to use it, whether or not it's suitable for their needs, and what kind of changes. We, we need to make or sort of accommodations we need to think about in, in how we bring that second device to market. But yeah, that's, that's okay. our kind of plan for the next year. That's great. So what's the best place for people to find out more, get in contact with the company with uh, ideas or collaboration or those kinds of things? Yeah. So, um, I mean, just check out our website, glass.rocket.com. And it's got a bit of an overview of our, our current devices uh, and our plans and our sort of go-to-market. And there's some contact information there. Yeah, alternatively, we go to all the major trade shows. We're going to be launching at AWE, and I think that's a really great place to come and find us in person. But yeah, I think uh, definitely send us an email if you're, if you're interested and you want to learn more about how this technology can add value to your business. Okay, great. Well, Garen, I appreciate you coming, and uh, this is going to be really cool. Once it's, uh, once it's launched and everything, it's going to be amazing. There's so many applications. It's, uh, I think it's a great device. Sounds good. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks very much. You're welcome. Uh, it's been a pleasure. You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Thank you.